So what Paul has done in chapter 4, he's talked about Abraham and uh, how the, from Abraham's seed has come our Savior, who was both dead and died for our sins, that great and terrible sin problem we, we have, he spoke of so um, brutally, really, in Romans 3, but because Jesus Christ has died and then, then died for our sins and risen, the twin things, you can't separate them, his death and his resurrection, um, he's risen for our justification. And so there, therefore, Paul writes in Romans 5, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces endurance. Perseverance produces character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. People of God, this is the word of the Lord. Um, it has been, we, we celebrated our national birthday yesterday, and the month of June was a tumultuous time for our country, for the world, and I tell you, leading up to it. And I don't know how you all are feeling about all of that. Um, uh, some monumental things. Two weeks ago, there was this unspeakable tragedy in that church, people having a Bible study in, in Charleston. And... The funerals that followed that were, and the, and the words of forgiveness and repentance, uh, n not necessarily from the young man who did the atrocious deed, but uh, there, there were voices, uh, there was some, something happened, uh, hopefully long-lasting, with the dialogue about race in our country. Um, and then we had awful things going on again, um, 30 people killed and 38 pe people killed in Tunisia and in Paris and a mosque blown up and all sorts of other violence. And then we had the Supreme Court of the United States doing things that uh, we uh, maybe, I, I don't, I don't want to preach about it, get into it. I, I, don't, I don't know where anybody stands, but it was huge. It was big. And some of us feel that the whole of the time uh, preceding our birthday was awful. Uh, some see it more mixed, and I, that really isn't the issue. What is important is that I, and I hope to show us that what we go through as a nation, but also as individuals, and certainly as a church, as we are a part of the, those larger contexts, have much to do with 
the building of character that Paul talks about in his book here, that suffering that leads to endurance or perseverance, our scripture says, that then ultimately leads to character. We, we like to hear living in Chicago boast to our California friends about, well, we have winter here. It, it, because it, it's, no, it's not so awful. It, it builds character, makes us, makes us tough. We, we, we stood up against it and we're, we have a certain kind of pride be, because of the character building nature of a tough Chicago winter. So um, that's a little bit what, what Paul's talking about here, the, uh, the kind of strength of character, the, the, the ability to stand up against stuff and endure it and, and may even develop uh, from it, develop, be better for it after having gone through it. Um, one thing that does have to be said about what we've gone through, um, maybe character building, maybe just discouraging for you. The things that really count haven't changed. You know, you, you can't unring a bell any more than you can get Christ off of his throne next to his father, at the right hand of his father, put him back in the grave, and give him back over to the moldering process. Christ is risen. Christ has ascended. And Christ has sent his Holy Spirit. The, the biggest things of history have already happened. Now, these recent things of history in the month of June are things of history. Some think them great, some think them uh, frightening. We hear a lot of talk, and we've heard it from politicians. Uh, President Obama himself has frequently used the phrase about being on the right side or the wrong side of history. He says that the, the South in the Civil War was on the wrong side of history. He says that. Adolf Hitler was on the wrong side of history, and yeah, no, no one don't want to quarrel with him on that. Um, but I submit to you that the scriptures tell us that the ones who are truly on the right side of history are the ones for whom Christ died and rose again. That is the prime event the Christ event, if you want to put it that way, those twin things plus the whole sending of the Holy Spirit, that have changed everything. And if we are feeling discouraged that somehow we're losing our country and the church dwindles and we, there's so many things that we can wring our hands about. But the scriptures are clear and, and we'll, we'll, we see it right here. Paul says, believe this, and that Christ is raised. We have been justified. Justified is a legal term. It's sort of like the bang of a gavel in a, in a courtroom. You can't, once the, the, 
judge bangs guilty, not guilty, you can't unbang the gavel. You can appeal and all that sort of thing. But that's not like with Christ. It's a done deal. And the church will out. The church stands on the right side of history. And Paul talks here about the steps that it takes us to get there. It's a a process book. It's a process that he's talking about here in Romans 5. I don't know if any of you have any, do you, anybody have dummies books? Are you, are you a dummies fan? Uh, you, you can buy a dummies book for anything. You, there's, I got uh, WordPress for dummies and weight training for dummies here. You can buy, you can buy investing bonds for dummies. You can buy gardening for dummies, plumbing for dummies. You, you know, anything you can think of. You, there's all sorts of biblical stuff. You can buy Old Testament for dummies, world religions for dummies, Hinduism, Islam for dummies. You can buy uh, the Book of Revelation for dummies. Um, there's all these books that are about process. You, you start one place here, you have a mess, you have a... You have something that you want to do, and then these books will tell you step one, and then step two, and then step three, and then step four, and finally you get your thing. And that's what Paul is doing here with hope. He says it's a mess. We, we suffer. Uh, history's a mess. We're have, we have troubles. But history produces, well, suffering. We do suffer which then in produces endurance. We, we stick in, in, in there. We, we persevere. We don't give up. And that then makes us stronger, gives us character. And then finally, beyond character, Christian hope. We know that we're on the wrong, right side of history because Christ has died. Christ is raised. Christ will come again. He's coming back and he has given us his Holy Spirit to pave the way for him in his coming. And the, he's given the world, you and me, he's given the world, the church of Jesus Christ, to pave the way for his coming back. So, and in this book of Romans, there's uh, chapter 5, the first five verses, there's, there's in a sense a how-to um, uh, manual gives us the steps, the process, one by one, to arrive at the kind of place we'd like. Um, Maybe you've got other sorts of self-help books. One of the books that I've been reading recently is by David Brooks. He's the New York Times uh, columnist. If you watch um, the News Hour on PBS, Channel 11, He's on there every, every Friday debating with uh, Mark Shields. And uh, David Brooks is a, a moderate, I would say. He's right of center uh, in terms of the political spectrum. But he's, he, he's, a, he's a wonderful writer and, and he's a believer. He, he is a, he's Jewish, but he's very, very interested in the New Testament scripture. He has a Bible, not just Old Testament, by his bed. Uh, but he, he is Jewish, and um, he's written a book called The Road to Character. And it's basically a, like a, 
in a sense, a, a dummy's book. There's a, he sets out a process from a mess to building and developing through suffering, usually, and finally through sticking in there, and finally character. He doesn't talk, he's not a Christian, and the book doesn't take that final step beyond character to, to hope. You have to, in terms, certainly in terms of biblical hope, you, 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 you do need to be a person in grafted on to the family of Christ uh, to take that final step beyond the character. But the, uh, David Brooks, I highly recommend it if, you, if you're a reader. He, what he's done is he's chosen like 12 great people from world history that have made significant, uh, Dwight Eisenhower, Dorothy Day, uh, Francis Perkins, who started the uh, labor uh, the garment workers after this horrific garment fire. Uh, she organized garment workers and got safety for garment workers in New York. Uh, George Marshall, uh, not a very bright guy, had, a, had to work hard for everything he got, but he achieved much. Um, George Eliot, the writer, Samuel Johnson, the writer. And then the, the one I want to talk a little bit about this morning is St. Augustine, Augustine of Hippo. He was a a churchman. If you and I, if you're a member of the Reformed Church, you stand in Augustine's theological line. John Calvin uh, studied Augustine thoroughly, and, and Augustine came up with the notion of, of being saved, not on our own, but saved by God's sovereign choice, saved by grace. And uh, we stand very, very close theologically with St. Augustine. But Augustine was born in 354 A.D., and he, he was a mess. His early, he, was, he was bright, really, really smart, and they knew it right away. He was, as an 11-year-old boy, very, in a sense, he was like Jesus. When Jesus went and talked with the elders as a 12-year-old boy in the temple, and his, his parents... Uh, didn't know where he was for a couple days. Augustine was like that. He went and, as a 11, 12, 15-year-old boy, went and sat with the, with the bids, with the really, really brainy people. And this was a time when, when scholarship, and the, there was this sect of folks called the Marcians, and they were, they were really, really arrogant with all of their learning and all of their knowledge. And they really did think that they had it all figured out. If you, could, if you could just apply these keys, take these steps, you can move from the mess that you are to people like us. And um, that was it, the group that he was with. And they were people who said, and this is something you can do for yourself. You need to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You, and you can save yourself. And he believed that for a long, long time, and he practiced everything and actually rose to the very top of that group of folks, but could find no peace, could find no, well, hope. Still didn't know why he was there, why he was living. So I'm smart and everybody, I'm becoming rich. And he also lived a very uh, libertine lifestyle, just 
partying all the time, visiting uh, prostitutes all the time. Um, he, he, he lived a loose and libertine lifestyle. His, his mother, uh, I believe her name was Monica, uh, was distraught. She was a, a, a Christian believer and was really distraught at the past she was watching her son go and did all she could to, to help him find his way again. And finally, he did. But it was through suffering. It was through recognizing all of my learning, all of my success, all of what I have accomplished in my life, all the people I've influenced, and he, he did. He was a very famous man by the time he was uh, 30. Uh, it, it doesn't, it does, I, I, can't, I can't steer my own ship. I, I can't do it. And he, he, he felt himself empty and lonely and uh, did, began a process, and this was before he became a believer, began a process of introspection like few other people have ever done. Uh, David Brooks writes, Augustine re responded to his crisis by looking within himself. His advice would be simple. It, Augustine's first step was to under, undertake an almost scientific expedition into his own mind. It's hard to think of another character in Western history up to that time who did such a thorough examination of his own psyche. Looking in, he saw a vast universe and he mainly was, or oftentimes was thinking about memory. And, and just, you, you have a layer and then layer and layer. And every one of you has, has moments to say, wow, that was, that was 50 years ago. If you, if you hear a, you know, a radio jingle, you, right away you can sing it right along. It, it's our, our minds, the human mind is, is unfathomable in its depth and the, the human memory and he was fascinated by the, the, the limitless uh, notions that he would, would come up with in his mind. He, he eventually though found out with all of this probing and all of this searching within that he couldn't reform himself. He couldn't do it. He couldn't lead the good life that he knew. He knew he was meant for something better. Better even than all the fame and all the glory and all the prestige that he'd won. He, 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 there's, there's something missing. Um, and he couldn't tell you what it was, but he wasn't at peace. And he came up with one of the, uh, the famous, famous lines that, that you've doubtless heard, and this is from Augustine. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you, is the, is the line he came up with. And, uh, his, but when, and when he finally did, and this took suffering, because he finally gave up self-actualization. Big, big word for us today. He gave up saying, I can, I can go through all the steps, but I can't. I can't complete the story. If, if I end up just with character, if I end up just being a big shot, 
I have achieved nothing. I have no rest. I have no peace. So it hurt him giving that up. And if, you know, if you've ever known um, a really big-time academic, I mean, the really elite professors of Harvard and Yale and all those places, those are proud people. Those people have climbed a very hard ladder, and they know encyclopedias of stuff in their minds. Uh, and they're, they're smart. And, but, oh, the, the, the arrogance and the infighting. And a, you go to a faculty meeting in one of those places, and you say, oh, get me out of here real quick. It's, uh, so, so there's a price to be paid with all of that, all of that, that glory be, make you be uh, grateful that you're, you're maybe a little more modest in your, uh, in, in your ways and in, in what you know and what you've attained. Also the fact that, don't mean to say that uh, no you know, big time professors aren't believers and, and aren't humble people because of it, but they, if they have hope, it's because of this process, and that's finally what happened with St. Augustine. He, his, there was a mess, and he recognized it, and he owned it, and he did what he had to do to do something better, to, to rise, to become better, so that he finally did find rest, find rest for his soul. And... The question for you and me, I think, is, does that, you know, here we're Americans, we're not, we're not fans of suffering, and no, but nobody is. Nobody, only uh, somebody that's sick in the mind would uh, take on and, and search after uh, pain and, and suffering. Those, those are sick people, masochists. Um, but... And, and no one's, we're impatient people. We don't, endurance and, and long, long suffering, uh, perseverance, those aren't happy words for us either. You listen to our, either what actually comes out of our mouth when we, we're driving or what we're thinking about, you know, get in the right lane there, buddy. If, you, if That's about as nice as you do it, right? Um, Road rage, we're, we're not patient people. And here's Paul saying patience is an integral part of developing character. And then finally, we have hope. If we begin with the beginning, that being the things that can't be taken back, Jesus on the cross, Jesus dead, Jesus entombed, rising from the dead and giving us his Holy Spirit. So Paul says, and he uses a strange word about it, he says we rejoice in this. We rejoice in our sufferings. And it's not because he was looking, as I said, a masochist and looking for pain. He says we rejoice in our sufferings. It, very interesting, the word that the Bible uses for suffering is also used in other contexts for, for pressure, um, stress maybe. You know how a, how a diamond is formed. 
It's, it's formed because of pressure. There's rocks uh, squeeze coal, and, and there, the, the, the weight finally, that's, that's how you get a diamond, is through pressure. And so Paul here says we, we rejoice, or another way to put it is we exalt we, uh, in, in our pressure, in our stress, in the suffering that we do. So finally, if you go through this passage, and if you read it slowly, you, you hear Paul, I, I wonder if he could contain himself. The things he's writing about just ring. They're so full of the, the thrill of what it means to be standing where he is. And you and I, standing where we are, Paul was writing to, to people who were trembling in the catacombs of Rome, beneath the city, fearing arrest at any knock on the door. You and I live in a different context, but it's not one, it's not one that, in which we're free of pain or free of fear. A lot of us are wringing our hands. What's, what's going to happen to the church? What's, gonna ha what's happening to the faith of our children? What's happening to our country? It's, it's ability to, to be the leader of the world and things like that. This is something for us. And, and I finally can only say to conclude what I said at the beginning. There's one constant between us and Paul's first readers, those trembling people beneath the city of Rome. The one constant, the thing that can, the can, through line, the continual thing through all of it, through all of the steps from all of the messes that we've been through and that God has delivered us from and brought us through with the steps of character and finally hope. Through all of that, the one constant is Christ is raised. It is not something that will happen again. Yours and mine will follow. But he, the first fruits of the new creation, it is already in the storehouses. The harvest has already begun in history. And we can look at the stories of the last month. We can look at the stories of this morning. We can look at the stories of, of an illness we maybe are carrying, a cancer perhaps, a uh, whatever it might be, the, the distress over a child uh, that's, that's not where you want him or her to be. All of these, we, we can lose a lot of our energy in worry. But we need to understand that God has not changed. God's story and his promises to us in it are the same. When it comes to the things that matter most, nothing has changed.